love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I have no idea if this is legal right now to be playing music from my phone that I'm recording into the Zoom, but I'm Alyssa Gadesi and I might be breaking every podcasting rule that there is right now with this. And I should have queued up the song better, so I'm just going to keep talking because my co-host, Haley Chura, won Ironman Montremblant last week, and I feel like this song's appropriate. And I like it because it's just we are the champions because, you know, I'm on your team, Haley. So well, it is a team effort for sure. I mean, <laughs> yes, you, you know, you've done plenty of races yourself, but thank you for that wonderful intro. That was, uh, that was very special. I, I am, you know, I'm living it up. I am soaking it all up. I will take all the queen, you know, this week, at least <laughs> queen vibes for sure. Haley, we are going to hear all about your amazing day that you had. Um, so for people expecting an interview today, like our typical Iron Women podcast, you're not getting it because you were just getting Haley and I catching up. I just did a five-day expedition race in Scotland that I'll chat about, but that pales in comparison to winning a freaking Ironman. Haley, this is your first Ironman win since 2014, right? Yes, it has been, uh, it has been a little while. I mean, that's yeah. kind of wild to have like eight years between Ironman wins. I, it was a little unexpected, but, um, I'm excited to hear about your race too, because I, Alyssa, I didn't have an international data plan when I was in Canada. Didn't splurge for that. <laughs> I'm a, I'm the Ironman champion on a budget, but, um, so I have not, I haven't caught up on everything. I'm a little bit behind. I just got home today. And so I'm excited to hear about that as well. So, um, we have a few housekeeping items and then we're going to get into all this chats. And then I think I actually, okay. I gave a little, I gave a little, um, preview chat to Bevan McKinnon at fitter, fitter radio. He was at the finish line and he was like, I'm scooping iron women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, ah, but, and I think in that one, I might've teased that we were going to do the Amy Van Tassel interview this week. Um, and she also raced in Tremblant and I, you know, I may have given a little spoiler that we pre-recorded that one, but we will have Amy next week. We just don't want that conversation overshadowed by us talking about Scotland and Tremblant. So thank you, Amy, for waiting one more week. We will, we will, uh, we'll be back with that for sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. So housekeeping items to get out of the way first on the docket here is that the women's performance summit is coming this fall. It's coming up before you even know before you're going to blink and then it's going to be November and it's here. So Leading into that, as always, we have the outspoken awards that are a highlight of the summit weekend. And to have a successful awards ceremony, you need nominations for these awards so that someone can win. So to nominate someone for the outspoken awards, um, how do I want to begin this so that you guys have all the information? So First of all, nominations are only open until September 11th at midnight Pacific time. So if you're looking at your clock, watch or clock and seeing what time and day it is, you don't have a lot of time. So you should probably just do it. Don't pull a Haley and wait until that midnight September 11th time. Do it now. Like just pause us. We'll be here for you. 
open up your computer and go to womensperformance.com slash awards. And that's how you can see the awards and you can do your nominations. And they're like shaking it up a little bit this year, Haley, right? Yes. Um, I, yeah, I am usually someone who is at midnight. Luckily I'm in mountain time, so I can be like at midnight doing this because it's midnight Pacific on September 11th. Um, but I'm going to try to get my nominations in early this year, but this year they are mixing it up. There's three awards that are specific to triathlon, three awards that are specific to gravel cycling. I think both of those are a, uh, coach of the year, athlete of the year, and a community service for each of those two sports. And then the rest of the awards are open to any women in endurance sports. So race director, if there's a race director of a local 5k that you really, um, want to see honored, you can nominate her. Um, so definitely get, get, get the whole list. And, um, you can also see who's on the panel. Who's, uh, who's voting. If you want to like try to sway them, I'm not on there. So <laughs> otherwise I would be too easy. Someone just send me some like cookies and I'd be cookies. like, you got yeah. my vote. <laughs> but i um, kidding everyone. We're not on the panel. There's a reason. There's a reason why I'm not on there, but, um, yeah, head to that website, womensperformance.com forward slash awards before September 11th at midnight Pacific, get those nominations in, I think, and do, I have learned this. Like you do want to write in like why you are nominating the person, like read the description of the award and like right to that, um, when you're filling out the nominations. And again, it takes a little bit, it doesn't take long, um, but takes a little bit longer. So don't leave it to the last minute because, uh, it's a late night if you do that. And this is an atypical episode with no interview, but it's typical and that we are answering a mailbag question and we love to answer mailbag questions and we would love to have more for future episodes. So send us your questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Start to refill our mailbag for us. We have a lot of good interviews coming up for everyone in the next few weeks. And we want to hit some mailbag questions as we, as we share those interviews with you. So Haley, this week's mailbag question comes from Emily and Emily is an age group triathlete. She's looking to compete in her first full distance Ironman next year. She's done a 70.3 this year. She's doing a 50 K in October. So she's definitely an endurance athlete. She picked Ironman Texas in late April. And her question is, when does she hire a coach? She says, I'm not starting from zero because I do have a lengthy running background. And I did train myself to the finish line of a 70.3. If I start working with a coach in December, that would give me about six months to train, but I'm not sure that's enough time. So this is a great question. If our regular listeners will know that Haley and I as coaches are very much advocates of having a coach, um, in most situations, I feel like, but this is one where it's like the classic, it depends, right? It could be a lot of factors at play here with this, right? Haley, what do you think? Yes. I think I I know when I first read this, I probably was like, Oh, I need a little bit more information, but that's like me putting on my coaching hat. And I mean, me as an athlete, I'm someone who always likes a coach because Alyssa today had a 30 minute spin on the bike. And there's zero chance I would have done that if it wasn't actually in training peaks, because Mm -hmm. I would don't, won't do anything. Um, no, I'm a motivated person. I'm just not always motivated, like in the right ways. And so that's where having a coach is, uh, is like very, very valuable for me. Um, as a coach, I will say that, I mean, knowing she has that 50 K assuming she, I mean, if do you want coaching for the 50 K? I mean, if you start it earlier, then you get coaching with for the 50 K, if you want to wait till after the 50 K and then like 
take a little recovery and like get into an Ironman mindset and start November. Um, I think that could be okay. I would say last possible situation would be like, if you have a lot of travel and stuff through the holidays and that's just going to be really hard, um, you know, maybe January 1st is like a good, good start date. It's not a bit much of a ramp up, but I, you know, make sure you are doing some exercise during that time, but maybe it's not as structured and you can, you can fit it in yourself, um, throughout the holidays and you don't need someone to tell you what to do. Um, that would be probably my, like, I would say, don't wait till after if you, I mean, other, I mean, you can do an Ironman without a coach and maybe you don't need one at all. And maybe you do some shopping and you learn that, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if I answered that. I think, yeah, no, you did. I agree with all of those things. I think a couple things to maybe consider too, is that even if you're looking to put off starting with a coach, uh, you should probably start talking to them now. Um, I know for myself, like that September, October kind of end of tri season time is a busy time where my roster for the following year is like filling up and like things are shaking out. So, uh, you know, definitely don't wait until like a week or two before you'd want to start, right. You want to start the process and give yourself and them enough time to be able to like chat, make sure you guys are a good fit, like figure out the timeline and what's going to work and that sort of thing. Um, then also I think that, you know, I think, yeah, like someone could probably have you ready for, Ironman Texas if you start in January do I think that someone could probably give you like more help if you started in October or November sure right like as a coach I would say oh it's a great time to put in like a good swim block you know especially if that happens to be like a weakness of yours or something like that or even cycling during the winter you know put in some base miles things like that so there's always work to be done. And it depends a lot on what your goals are for the Ironman. If you're looking at triathlon as kind of a long-term thing, or just kind of checking the box for this Ironman, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I definitely see a lot of athletes who think they want to do kind of check the box. And then they realize that like Haley and myself, they love the accountability. They love like just kind of, yeah, like being, being, doing things they know they wouldn't be making themselves do. And then seeing the results from that, I think is a really cool process and why I've always had a coach for the last decade. So, um, I think it's, it's never too early. And especially even if you do put off the start time, start talking to people now so that you don't feel rushed when you're picking someone is a good thing. Yeah. I love your advice there to kind of like start by, writing out like what you want out of a coach and like why you want a coach and like write that down. And then I, I do encourage people to kind of shop around, like reach out to a couple, um, and, you know, just ask to talk to them, you know, maybe, or ask if they have minimum timelines, that kind of thing, or if they have availability, um, you know, probably a good place to start. And then, yeah, see if it's going to be a good fit, like chat. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to usually chat with people and, it's usually one of those things, you know, pretty quick, um, whether it's, it's going to be, um, someone you want to work with or not, because it is, I mean, triathlon coaching, it's can be a lot like you're, you know, it's just a lot of back and forth, a lot of balancing moving pieces and everything like that, especially with Ironman, some long workouts that you have coming up and, uh, you want to make sure it's someone that you are compatible with. So great advice, Alyssa. And again, if people want to send us more mailbag questions, you can anytime at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Haley, we're getting to the good part of the show. (laughs) 
I mean, I love it. I love housekeeping. Well, especially when it's that kind of housekeeping, it's not like the actual laundry I need to do, but, um, yeah, wait. Okay. So should we start with Scotland? I feel yes. like I, I want to know, okay. your race was first and I saw some videos. Wait, what happened with the wet trousers? <laughs> <laughs> Am I saying that wrong? The trouser filler, I believe. Trouser filler. Trouser yes. filler. So we got to the trouser filler stage on day. Wait, like wait, wait. Let's remind four. me. Wait, it was five days oh, total. Yeah. Five. Well, so it started Sunday at 2 p.m. and you had to be finished at the finish line by Friday at 5 p.m. So you had five days to okay. do the course and you kind of can pick and choose along the way. So like, if you skip a checkpoint along the way, you become a short course team. And so some teams do that, like, uh, purposefully knowing that they probably aren't going to complete the entire course because it's like a giant course and it's quite hard to do the whole thing. So, um, when you do that, you become a short course team and then you still have to get mandatory points, but then the optional points you can pick and choose from. So that allows you to kind of choose your own adventure make sure you're seeing the parts of the course, like the trouser filler segment that you like really want to and things like that. Um, but Haley, they told us upon arrival, basically during the meeting the day before what the trouser filler segment was. And they go like, we're doing the Via Ferrata. And I was like, everyone's like, <gasps> and I was like, is that like one of those things where you're like on the, like climbing on a cliff with like, on like, yes. I've seen like, it you know, meant nothing to me. I mean, it meant nothing to me. So I was like, oh, and so I'm like, I'm sure that's fine. I like, you know, Google it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> we are going to be climbing up a waterfall. Right. So oh. yeah, it's like it. So that was, uh, that was going to be the trouser filler stage and the, the point like penalty. So what happens is as you skip points in this particular race, this isn't how it always is. Like some race, each checkpoint is a point or like a series of points. And you kind of have to pick and choose based on trying to maximize points and things like that. But in this particular race, if you skipped a point, you were given like a time penalty. And so you were basically always on the clock. And then at the end of the day, whatever points you skipped had associated time penalties, some more and less than others. And like, then that gets added to your time. Right. And so the time penalty on the trouser filler via Ferrata was like insane. Like it was a lot. So like if one person, you know, and it was like every member of your team basically needed to do it. Otherwise the penalty was quite steep. And so I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'm, I'm doing it. Um, and then we ended up getting to that day four and I'll just say that by that point, we had already done a lot of other scary things that it was like, Oh, what's one more scary thing. Like, at least in this one, I have a helmet on and I'm like hooked in. So, um, I also was running on like very, probably nine hours of sleep in the like four days prior oh, going into that segment. Ouch. And so I was just, I mean, my teammates were laughing because they were like, we have never seen you that focused in your entire life. Like, and I was just like clipping into the things like, I was like, I got to get through this because I was getting dressed for it. And the guy, the safety guy was like, I think I was just moving like one step behind because I was so tired probably. And so he like stopped and looked at me. I was like, can I ask how much sleep you've had in the last four days? And I was like, not a lot. And I was like, should I do this? He's like, you'll be fine. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you come with us. Right. And he's like, no, that guy up there is like with the other team. He's nearby. And I'm like, oh dear. Um, so you're literally reading these like signs on the wall that are like, clip into this. And like, this is how you move through the pulley. And I, but you know, it's like all... rock climbing, right. But you are like harnessed in and you are clipped in. So like, 
if you fall, you'll just be like dangling. Yes. So if you fall, it's not catastrophic, assuming you've been like clipping yourself in properly. Right. But like you are basically relying on these really old, rusty iron rungs, like set into the stone and you're climbing on that. You're climbing on some like rock scrambles and then they have man-made features of like wire, you know, you have to like walk across the wire um, or like the little bridge. And there was one like pulley system you had to pull yourself across, but yes, like assuming you were always clipped into something, a fall wouldn't be catastrophic, but it was still like, I mean, if you were scared of heights, it would be pretty scary. I just never looked down. Are you behind the waterfall? Is the waterfall like, or is it like, are you getting wet while it was, I was getting like a mist at times, but it was like, yeah, like literally right, like next to us basically. And I think it must've been two waterfalls the way it was. I mean, we were on that climb for an hour and a half, I think. Uh, So, I mean, we were doing it. And again, like when you're that tired time, just like it's, you don't even know like a sense of five minutes or, you know, an hour. So it like actually flew by, but, um, but yeah, it was a long time to be, (laughs) to be doing that. I would have been I would have been pleasantly happy with 30 minute via Ferrata, which I kept calling the via Frittata because the entire race I couldn't remember. And the like safety guys didn't think that that joke was that funny. (laughs) Maybe not a lot of Frittatas in Scotland. Mm. Um, (laughs) They they're missing out. Um, Wait, so did you finish? Did your team finish the whole course? So we short, we purposefully picked short course. This was like a pretty hard course. um, And we wanted like strategically we knew we weren't going to be winning the race and so our strategy was kind of to try to see as much of the course as we possibly could and not be like pressed by the time like not have that looming like oh you have five minutes to get out of here type of feeling at each checkpoint and then um we also you know wanted to make sure we were putting ourselves in some of the parts of the course we wanted to see like we were going to get to climb ben or we did get to climb um, the mountain Ben Nevis, which is the highest mountain in the UK. And so oh. like, we wanted to make sure we had plenty of time to do that. Cause right. Cause that's like a really cool thing. And that mountain was like worth it. So like, we wanted to make sure we got to that. And then the last few segments of the race anyway, um, sometimes the short course option is like way shorter than the long course, but, um, in this just layout of how it was the short, there basically really was no real short course for the last three segments. And so, we knew we had to get like, again, we just had to get to those segments and have plenty of time to be able to move through them and not be then like, uh, basically timed out then. Cause then you kind of get a ride back to the finish and it's not very fun that way. So, um, we just wanted to put ourselves in a good position for that stuff that we wanted to do. And we did that. And so we, we ended up finishing with the, like, if you ranked the long course teams and then the short course teams, We finished pretty much middle, like dead middle, I think, like 14th or 15th out of 33 teams that started, I think. Um, I think that was a grain of salt. I think that's approximately correct. But, um, and then in the short course teams, I want to say we were seventh or something. Like we did, we did really well. Um, We were the second American team. So shout out to Strong Machine who took home the honors for the good old US of A. Um, But, and that was fun too. So there were two other American teams racing and we all crossed paths quite a bit during the whole time. And so that was really fun to get to see some friendly faces and people that we knew. Um, And Haley, one of the other highlights that was there. So I was really nervous about the ocean paddling and the first segment 
was yeah, we talked about this paddling yeah so the first segment was going to be a 35 kilometer paddle where you paddled to this island that had this cave on it and then the checkpoint was in the middle of the cave so that was really cool and then you had another like the rest of the 35k paddle over to kind of the mainland and Haley, we were paddling 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 and then all of a sudden i see a fin and i'm oh, like no uh-oh. dolphin it's a porpoise but it's then i see it well yeah so then i see another fin and then i see another fin and then i see another fin and Haley, these dolphins just started jumping out of the water oh they were cool. like putting on a show and for two hours we were oh. paddling with pods of dolphins and a minky whale breached holy like, right cow. near like probably like less than 50 feet from our kayak um, I mean, that actually made me nervous. Like when that happened, I turned around and I was like paddling as fast as I could. And they're like, you're not going to out paddle the whale. And they all tried to convince me it was actually just a giant porpoise. And I was like, I know free Willie when I see free Willie, <laughs> like this is definitely not a porpoise. Um, but that was, I mean, in all the time I've been to Hawaii and like, I mean, I've been, gotten to swim and like do be in some pretty cool oceans. And I've never been one time I did the like dolphin thing at the Hilton and go to <laughs> That didn't count. My dad really wanted to do it too. So I did it with him, but, um, I've never gotten to swim with dolphins, like in the wild or anything. So that was so cool. I mean, it made, took away all my fears of the ocean paddling. And it was just like, we have some GoPro footage of it. And it was, I mean, it was truly unreal just for like hours to be in that environment with them. It was really, really cool. That's so cool. That's, oh, how fun to like, yeah, those are the kind of things you get to see and you don't know. You wouldn't have that experience if you hadn't gone through the soggy trousers yeah. too. <laughs> so. And so Haley, Scotland is notorious for pretty dicey weather, you know? So like it can change. I mean, it literally changes every 15 minutes. They, they say like, oh, you're good at every season in a day. And like you get every season in an hour. Sometimes it felt like, and I was very excited because our listeners will remember that that the Barkley marathons, the cold and the rain is what like caused me my demise there. Right. So since then I had been studying on better gear to wear for that sort of environment. We had Jasmine Paris who like thrived in that environment. She lives in Edinburgh, Scotland. And, um, you know, I had been like studying what she uses in those conditions because she must, she lives there. She must know it. Right. And I am very happy to report that we had two, the first couple of days were quite nice weather. And then the last half of the race was changing all the time. We had some good times, but then we also had some really cold and rainy and miserable times. And Haley, my rain gear is like dialed in. I was like, so good. I was cold a couple of times still, but like, it was definitely a good confidence boost for me that I've like made some good strides figuring that out. And I was very excited to have that environment to test it out in. Uh, cause I feel like the Scottish weather is definitely puts it to the test. Yeah, no, that has to give you some good confidence in case, uh, you know, there's another Barkley esque or Barkley ish or Barkley <laughs> race in your future. Um, that'd be cool, but nice job. Congratulations. Sounds like quite the adventure. Congrats to you and your team. Sounds like lots of learning and, uh, each one of these adventure races, I mean, I guess that's where they get their name. Sounds like quite the adventure. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I wasn't quite sure what I would think of it. And on Monday, so it started on Sunday on Monday. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this for the next four days. Like this is going to be, this is like interesting, you know, but then the time started to really fly by and I would have like definitely stayed out there for like, if I had more food, I would have kept Dang. staying out there. It was, 
it's really fun. And it's fun to like, so we, we also stayed in, like we slept in the dirt one time, but then we slept, like we came across a hotel twice or like in, right. Oh, and nice. so like, we were able to sleep in like actual beds a couple of times. Take a shower. Um, I took a shower. I took a sh- two showers actually, which was very nice. Um, you know, we, we were able to stop and get some like real food at times and it's fun. So it really is what you make of it. I think the top teams, they're not sleeping in the end really, but, um, you know, for people who just want to have an adventure and want to, you're still, you can still race hard and do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it was really fun. It was cool to like have that sort of a race environment. It's just so different from anything I've ever done. Yeah. Put that fitness and health to good use and kind of see the world in a different way. I like the, I like the shower and the bed and the like <laughs> meal prepared for you idea. That actually is the most appealing thing you've said about an adventure race in the uh, couple of years we've been chatting about it to me anyway, but I do love hearing your adventures. I, I would love to see the dolphins and the whale. Yeah. That sounds very cool. Um, yeah, that sounds like it was worth it, but congratulations. Thank you, Haley. And enough about Scotland because we, it's now time for the main event. And that is <laughs> talking to our Ironman champion, Haley Chura about Ironman Mont Tremblant. Um, so Haley, um, something just fell in like the closet and it was Uh-oh. just, no, it's fine. It's just weird because like, I haven't been home and I was like, I haven't opened that closet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> send, cow- send cowboy in to maybe your trophy, know, Did you put your trophy in there. So heavy. It's just falling down. The trophy already. was huge, Alyssa. They're shipping it to me. That was like, oh, that's good. I said that I, like I raced in Tremblant, um, nine years ago, I raced this Ironman, um, uh, during my first year as a pro and in 2013, and I finished eighth in that race and Mary Beth Ellis won and she got this giant trophy. And I was like, oh, man, that's a cool trophy. And so, um, you know, nine years later I got to try to hoist it over my head. My arms did not have the strength to do that. So I did not hoist it over my head, but I held it to the side (laughs) and hopefully it will be shipped to my house um, sometime, but also glad I didn't have to try to get that through Canadian customs. I mean, (laughs) I, uh, I was, I, this is like totally beside the point, but like, have you forgot? This was the weirdest things ever with the bike. Like I had to totally unpack my bike going through security, like coming back, like take everything out of the bike bag, except for the frame. And then they like check the frame and then everything had to go through in bins by itself. And then oh. I was like, so thankful I got to the airport early. I mean, there's a wait, yeah. but when do you ever, you were taking your bike bag through security? Like, didn't you just check it? Well, t- to check it, like you have to, you have to go to oversized luggage Uh-oh, and then yeah, like yeah. get it screened. And usually yeah. you just like drop it off. But I had to take everything out of it, Whoa. out of the bag. And then they have to put it in bins and it went through the bins and then repack it. And then it went through a big scanner. That would be a disaster for me, it, but <laughs> it was not good. Oh my um, but I think they made everyone do it. Cause there was another guy behind me and he had to do the same thing. So, um, I don't know where I got on that story, but just, yeah, I mean, never there's my adventure race. <laughs> Okay. But we don't want to talk about the trophy just yet. We want to rewind Haley. Let's back up. I think it's maybe if you're willing a good, like kind of evolution, right. Of your season here to talk about coming out of St. George, we, you know, I say we, we had a tough race there, Haley, you and I, um, but you had a tough day in St. George and then, you know, here you are, what is it? May to June, June, just three months later, three and a half months later, you win a freaking Ironman. Right. So I guess part of the question is like, what, how did you kind of 
evolve to one, even being like, I'm going to try again. I'm going to race Tremblant. Right. And then two, like looking back, you know, I don't know. Do you have any words of wisdom for people who are maybe in the opposite or in your, in your shoes from St. George now, like maybe they had a tough day in, in Tremblant and are questioning things and wondering like what to do with their lives. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, uh, my training leading into St. George, I think I talked about it a lot on here was like really good, really, really good. And so, and I had that race in Puerto Varas and Chile and I won. And so I was just felt like things were really on track for St. George. And that's why the race there kind of like blew my mind. And it was like, I, I had a really tough day there. And I did find out later that, you know, I had a, a wheel issue that my wheel had been rubbing against the frame of my bike. And so that probably wore me out quite a bit. Um, but I think even when you know that you had like a mechanical kind of issue or something like that, you're still like, I still was in the back of my head. Like it was probably just me, you know, like it probably wasn't the mechanical. I just didn't have it. You know, that was how I felt coming out of that race because I just, it shocked me. Um, and so I will say, you know, I, I was glad I got to race that PTO relay the week later. Cause that kind of, I raced it on a training wheel and I had a good ride there, even though it was, a, you know, it was only 24 miles, which is a little bit different, but, um, but it was just kind of, and it was fun. Like being on a relay was really fun. So kind of reframing my racing and just like racing for like a totally different reason at a much lower, you know, just not a world championship, but not lower stakes. Cause I didn't want to let my relay team down, but, um, but just slightly different, you know, I wasn't really racing for prize money. It was just a different, different kind of, um, experience. I think that was a good thing to do. I, um, I also, you know, I, cause I was, I was like, oh gosh, like maybe I just will never do another Ironman. <laughs> I mean, I think I just, that was how I felt, but I, I also think racing in Watkins Glen was really good because again, that was a very different triathlon experience for me. And so even though I've been in the sport for so long, it wasn't that traditional Ironman or even 70.3 experience. It was racing on a racetrack, which was totally different, totally different course. Um, doing some of the media th stuff for the documentary, which was just different, um, and meeting some different people and very different distance too, like 50 miles and 10 miles. And again, I think that kind of helped me with a little bit of a reset and my run there was good. And that was actually like, okay, that felt really good because, um, I was like, okay, I think I might still have it. Yes. It was only 10 miles, but like it, you know, I wasn't laying on the ground. Like I wasn't saying George. So, um, so that gave me a little bit of confidence. And I think coming out of that, like, um, I I'd actually had a conversation. I might've actually been right before Watkins Glen with my coach, Matthew Rose, who I've come, who I've uh, mentioned. And I kind of told him, I was like very at peace with not doing another Ironman this year. And then 30 seconds after that call, um, my friend Betty Janelle uh, called me and she was like, Haley, I think you should go to Tremblant. <laughs> this is like 30 seconds after I'd hung up the phone with Matthew telling him, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really, let's maybe, maybe 2023 or maybe that was it. And, um, and Betty's like, oh, you know, let's just, let's flights are only going up. Like, let's just look. And so we spent like 30 minutes on the, on the phone, like looking at, you know, Expedia and Delta.com. And by the end of that conversation, I had booked a flight and a hotel and she's like, you can cancel it. And I'm like, I mean, I don't have the like point status to like get the money back, but I was like, yeah, I will I'll use those flight credits. So I actually had that even before I had like signed up for the race before I'd gone to Watkins Glen. 
And I think maybe it was like her belief in me kind of was like, okay. And maybe having already spent the money, <laughs> but, um, but it was fun. It was fun. Like having someone kind of being like, let's how, how can we figure this out? And so then after Watkins Glen, I will say that that week after Matthew kind of wrote my training plan and he was like, okay, if you're going to Tremblant, you have a five hour ride with intervals. <laughs> if you're not going to Tremblant, you have like a two and a half hour easy ride. <laughs> and I was like destroyed. And I was like, I want to do two and a half hours easy, <laughs> but I went out, I did the five hours. I like was like laying on the ground, totally destroyed, but I was like, okay, I did it. Like maybe I can get myself together. And so it was only like, I think five or six weeks in between those two races. And it was sort of a very condensed build. And I really didn't know if it would work, but I think even hearing Leanda caves interview from like a couple of weeks ago about her doing Ultraman on like very limited training, but having years and years of experience, um, kind of gave me a little confidence where I was just like, okay, you know, this isn't your first rodeo. Like you do have years of experience. Your training, you know, before St. George was really incredible. That doesn't just go away. And so, and I, I had a few, few decent, you know, rides and runs and everything that showed me that I was like, and, and things got better after that first five hour ride, I did some six hour rides. And I was like, Oh, I don't need to lay on the floor for like an hour afterwards. So my fueling got a little better. And I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to go do it. So it was sort of a last minute decision to like keep everything together. I mean, and, um, and then Betty and her husband, Ernie, they did come up and cheer. And I will also add that I'd raced in Tremblant, like I said, nine years prior. And I'm really proud of how I like learned from my mistakes from nine years ago, because I booked everything so much better this time. Like I, I stayed in the like ski village, which I think is definitely worth it. It makes that venue so, so easy because you can just like walk to transition. It's like a five minute walk to in the morning. Um, and at post race, which is even better <laughs> to get to that shower. Um, you know, I just, I did things a little bit better. Um, I'm much better at roundabouts now, Alyssa. Like, I just don't know how that happened. Um, that wasn't something I trained for, but I just handled that better. I handled French better. Actually, I think they, more people spoke English, but <laughs> I'll tell myself, I just, my French got better, but, um, maybe it's just again, getting a little older and more experienced. And like, we've talked about our travels, helped me a lot. And the whole like race, like leading up to it, things just seemed like they were like working out well. Like I was like, okay. Um, I had, you know, actually like a little issue with my tire. Um, like the sealant all leaked out. I have tubeless tires and I didn't, I was able to like get down to a mechanic, get it fixed. And just like, I was like, man, experience helps. And so, so there was a lot of that going on. Um, and that's, yeah. And, and I was just like, okay, like if nothing else, you're handling this better than you did as a, how old was I then? <laughs> oh my gosh. We were babies. Yeah. Babies. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so there was a lot of that and I just tried to kind of be proud of myself for handling all those things. Um, so well, and I know that, you know, you don't want to compare yourself to anyone or even yourself, your former self, but there was a little bit of me that was like, um, you know, yeah, 37, you still got it. So, um, so that was good. And then as far as race day, Wait, I mean, so I want to, oh, I, yeah. I, I would like, excuse I'll me, interject. I'm, doing I'm doing this interview. So, um, <laughs> so you, um, I wasn't able to, I was literally flying back from Scotland. So I was able to 
text Matt from the free like Wi-Fi messaging that they give you now for one hour. And like, he was able to give me updates on, on what, what was happening for you. So, but I don't, I didn't get to watch, was there cover, was there Facebook live coverage? No, there okay. wasn't. Um, okay. this one did not have it. So I think it was just like Betty at Betty celebrates Instagram live. Coverage. Okay. So <laughs> not even Instagram because... live. I think it was just like Betty and Ernie trying to post some like videos when they could. So then good, because then everyone's more in the dark too with me. And so Haley, the race starts and typically I think you're used to being one of the faster swimmers, obviously. And a lot of times I think it kind of ends up that you are out alone in front. And this was a different scenario for, you know, obviously like world championship field, you're going to have some other women, I think, swimming around you, but you had your fellow dog dog d-a-w-g iron <laughs> women podcast guest rachel zelinkas was there with you and so you you knew quote knew her right and you know she's a swimmer you know probably like what she's capable of so how did that kind of did it did your swim strategy change knowing rachel was out there swimming then oh yeah of course i mean i definitely knew rachel was there and you know that's a nice thing about having a podcast about um women competitors <laughs> I know everything about them. I'm like, it is kind of odd. Have this that ever happened to you where you're like introduced? You're like, this is Rachel Zelinskis. She graduated from the University of Georgia. She went to as a two-time national champion. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. let me just read out your bio, even though it's kind of creepy when um we're like in the pro meeting. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so I knew Rachel was a great summer, of course. And um, yeah, so I mean, I again I I know how my swim training has been going and it was a non-wetsuit swim. This lake, oh, the lake is so beautiful. It was like a really beautiful swim. One loop, which is also just sort of a, a treat. Um, and it was, you know, really nice conditions. And for the swim, like not too cold air temperature. Not, I found the water temperature really comfortable. And, um, and I was going to try to stay on Rachel's feet, which I kind of did <laughs> um, for the beginning. And then she was kind of pulling away, but I, I was proud of myself for like keeping her in sight. Um, again, I know she's an incredible swimmer and uh, I did, you know, give her, I talked to her afterwards and, you know, I was like, she, she did ask, she's like, what did you spend? And I was like, backstroke, not too bad for a 200 backstroker, huh? But, um, you know, I just, I knew that during that whole swim, like our whole, you know, Georgia swimming alumni network was probably loving it. And Rachel is like 10 years younger than me. So again, I'm like, Haha, this is pretty cool that I'm, you know, keeping her at least in sight sort of her splashes, but, um, but it was just like a really beautiful swim. And so that was kind of my goal was like to kind of try to minimize that gap. But, um, you know, I, I, I know that again, from experience that Ironman is a very long day and it definitely doesn't end at the swim, uh, exit. So I was trying to keep the whole race perspective, you know, keep that in perspective. Cause I've had, you know, St. George was, I had a really, really good swim in St. George and, you know, and then it kind of unraveled after that. And so it is, the goal is to be at your best as you're crossing that ultimate finish line. Um, even when you are a good swimmer. And so you get out of the water, you're getting onto the bike, you, this field had some, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, Alyssa, we got to talk about transition here because normally I know normally we don't in our, but as you're running from like the lake, it's a quite a, kind of a longer run to transition. 
And it is like deafening roar, like people Whoa, screaming cool. like all over. It was so cool. I had forgotten about that from, you know, nine years ago, but I was like, there were so many people cheering and just like screaming so much cheering. It was so cool. I felt like a total rock star. So, um, yeah, if that's your thing, this could be a race, you know? <laughs> and so, okay. You go through the cheers, you get into transition, you get onto your bike and this field, had some really strong cyclists. Angela Nath was there. Jen Annett was there. So, but Haley, you took over the lead on the bike and you kept the lead going into the run. Have you ever been first off the bike before in an Ironman? I have. Um, okay. I've, yeah, like more toward 2014, okay. <laughs> 2014, no, 2015 yeah. time. Um, I, you know, I think I, I had a couple that I've been first off the bike, but it isn't like a super common occurrence these days. Yeah. For no, sure. that, and so was that like, what is that like for you then going through the bike? Are you, was the course set up so you can see like, is there any out and back so you can kind of see, or are you, were you riding so well that you were like, yeah, probably no one can catch me. <laughs> well, so, okay. So the course is two loops and it is kind of like two out and backs. I would kind of say it's sort of similar to Coeur d'Alene. Um, not like I mean, you do the like longer out and back first and then the shorter out and back and the shorter one is like very hilly. So it was, um, you kind of, you do get a chance to sort of like see your competitors and, um, but, and, and sometimes I will admit like, you know, I'll take a time split, but I have to say that I actually, um, did not have a bike computer after like 40 miles. Um, well, it was like going to fall. I hit a bump and it was like going to fall off at like the Mount thing. It had like the like little band, it was like coming loose and I couldn't quite get it like shoved back in there. And I was just nervous something was going to fall and I get a littering penalty. So I just took it off and put it in my pocket, which Alyssa, like, uh, this is not me because again, I'm typically someone that if I don't have the numbers in front of me, I go too easy. Like that is my default. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of a weird ride for me, but I do think the course suited me really, really well. The first loop lap, we actually had some rain, which it's non-technical. And so I like that it cooled me off. And then, um, I just felt pretty solid. Like I just felt solid. And I, so I didn't really know what my time gap was. I could kind of see people. And I was kind of surprised that Renee Kylie, Jen, Anna, like those are women who usually do catch me, um, hadn't caught me. And so I was like, okay, you know, let's just see how this goes. And I mean, maybe there were some moments on the climbs where I was like, I may have been going too hard, but I was like, I don't know. I mean, again, I've, I've, I am not someone who typically goes too hard, um, especially like in the later part, but I was focused on fueling. And the one nice thing is that like, they have kilometer markers instead of mile markers. And so sometimes that's kind of nice. Cause I'm like trying to do a little bit of math in my head and it, you know, they come up faster because kilometers are shorter than miles. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was an unusual ride for me. And the second loop, I was getting a little bit warm and I just, I did focus on that, but I was as shocked as anyone. I think that I was actually riding well. And the only thing is that after you know, after that race, I do think I talked to my coach, Matthew, and he was like, you know, this was the race you were ready for in May that you had trained for in May. And that was like, I thought a really nice thing to say, because again, my training was so good leading into that race. And I was like, okay, like I did have it in me, you know, I did have it in me. It just, you know, it took a few more months to, to get to show that off. Yeah. It had to simmer, I guess a little bit more. <laughs> um, and so onto the run Haley, I think it was 
it was pretty clear by like the screenshots of the Ironman tracker I was seeing that you were out running the field pretty, pretty well, like holding that. I don't think it was ever really in question in the people who were tracking you's mind that you had this in the bag. Although we all know a marathon is quite long. And so at what point, you know, do you start letting yourself be like, okay, I feel good enough that I'm going to hold on to this. And this is going to be, this is my day. Uh, do you ever let yourself start, start thinking about that? What was going through your mind through the run? So, yeah. So I, I, well, first of all, I met like when I was first running through transition, I'm like very good on these transitions today. Um, it was again, a long run, but it was like with, I was bare feet, which I'm not, I am like, I have a sensitive feet or something. I don't yeah. know what's happened. To I me, think Alyssa. it's from like sports or I like struggle to walk on any sort of rock or anything. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I was like, Oh my God, I was, I was like, I think I just broke my foot, like running through transition, which I didn't, but it like hurt. And, um, so I, you know, got the shoes on and it took me like a mile to like, be like, okay, maybe my foot's not broken. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, again, I was, I know a marathon's a long way and I felt good starting out and I wanted to run a fast marathon. Like I've, I feel like I have that in me and I probably started out maybe a little fast, but, um, was feeling really well. And I was doing a pretty good job of heat management and just sort of, uh, you know, taking care of myself with fueling and, and water on my head and all of that. And it is a nice course. It has some hills in the beginning. And then you kind of get onto this bike path and which is now paved last time I ran there, it was like gravel, <laughs> but now it's paved. Um, these are the things you, you get when you get to like see a community over a decade, but, um, but it was, and it's really treed it's really covered. And we did two, you know, basically long out and backs. So it was also good. Cause I kind of did get to see some of my competitors at the turnaround and, but I don't, I mean, you've done races where it's like an out and back and it's like, everyone looks so good behind you, like coming back. And it's like, oh my gosh, they all look so good. Everyone looks so, so good. And, you know, I've had my fair share of Ironman marathon meltdowns. And so I feel like I never really thought it was in the bag. I think I had a very low point kind of around halfway. And, um, I, I don't know exactly why, but I was just kind of, I was really starting to struggle and, you run like through the village. Um, it's like a ski village. You run through the ski village twice. So, you, you know, as you're finishing the first loop, you go to the right. And then second time you go to the finish line. And there were like, again, tons of people cheering. And it's like, I let myself at that point think I was like, you know what, it would be really cool to like have all these people cheering. Cause I'm running down to the finish line to get first. But I was like, don't think about that. Like, don't get ahead of yourself. Like stay in this, you know, this mile or this kilometer. Um, again, I do love the kilometer markers cause they come up a little quicker and the aid stations were like, just so well supported. And, um, what happened like a little bit after halfway is this huge storm came in. Right. And it was like thundering and like just pouring and like wind and like so much like leaves. And I actually think that like helped me a lot because again, it cooled me off. I'm someone who gets hot very easily. So it cooled me off and kind of like shocked me, woke me up a little bit and was like, I'm like, okay, go, you have less than half a marathon left. Like you can do this. And I think that was honestly the moment that it, like that things changed for me was, at, was in that storm. And I will admit the thought came across my mind that I was like, oh no, are they going to stop the race? And then I was like, what will happen? Will I just win? <laughs> Cause I'm in, I was like, I mean, those thoughts definitely were in my head or I was thinking about, um, 
Ironman Texas, like several years ago when Betty was actually racing as an age grouper and a big storm came in and they stopped everyone at the aid stations and like, you got like a rest. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like thinking, I'm like, okay, but I'm going to stop at this aid station up here. What am I going to be doing? I'm going to hit the Coke. I'm going to hit the Red Bull. I'm going to sit for a little while. And then when we go, I'm going to like bust it like that. I was like making a small contingency plan, but we never ended actually ended up stopping. But I was, I mean, I don't think I would have been that sad about the rest, which is weird, but um, I was, again, I was coming through a low moment. And, um, and so I, uh, again, the rain stopped and we, you know, we never stopped the race and kind of it warmed up a bit, but I was in a better headspace, in a better, you know, physical space. And I was like, you just got to hang on and just trying to like go through every trick I could to like keep myself going. And I'm really glad I did. I don't think, I mean, I, again, you run kind of downhill up a hill and, and I was, I did get some time splits to Jenna net was in second at that point. And um, I think with like 10 kilometers to go, so six miles, I had six minutes. And so I was like, okay, she would have to run one minute per mile faster, which is very hard to do. Not, I mean, as long as I don't start, start walking, if I start walking, that can go away and like, you know, really, really quick. But, um, but I'm like, okay, if you can hang on, if you can just run like a solid time, you know, you can probably do this. And so I was, you know, just trying again to keep myself fueled, keep myself moving and, you go like kind of down the last couple of kilometers are pretty hard. Like you go downhill and then up a hill and then you have to like kind of go, you go up and then you get to go have a downhill finish basically. And, but you're running downhill through these like cobblestones and there's so many people cheering. And I was like, don't trip, don't trip. Like I have this fear of becoming like a meme, you know, of like, Oh, (laughs) like again, agony of defeat when you're so close. But, um, but I made it and I will say this finish line in Montreblanc is so cool. Like it's right there in the village. It's so loud. I mean, Mike Riley, I, I don't know if I ever, like, I mean, I know that he has called me across the line before, but I don't think I've like heard it, you know? And it was just cool. Like hearing him say you are an Ironman champion. I was like, what? And then, um, you know, they saw fireworks and I was like, what? <laughs> like, it was just really cool. And I was like trying to be like, smile, smile. And I was like, I, mean, I want to cry. And so, um, there was a little bit of both like, um, but it was, it was a really, really cool, very unexpected, very special moment. And I am thankful. And I know I talked to a good friend of mine recently and, you know, I don't, I don't like to say like everything happens for a reason. Cause I don't think so. Like I wouldn't wish what, you know, a bike mechanical on anyone, but, um, but I do think I'm thankful for how I have come out of that situation in St. George, you know, like, I think that I probably, you know, if things had gone different in St. George, I wouldn't have raised Tremblant. I wouldn't have gotten that experience of winning an Ironman and, um, returning to such a cool place and having like more good memories there. And so I am really thankful for that, for how I handled that situation. Oh my gosh, Haley. I'm just so like, I think I'm obviously living in a bubble of social media where everyone loves Haley, but I think I could just feel how excited and how happy everyone was and like, to see you cross that line. These pictures are like so full of emotion of you crossing that line and getting to hold that banner up. And, uh, I haven't listened to your interview with Bevan yet, but I will. And I'm sure that's like a classic Haley moment of all of the details too. So everyone be sure to check that out because as you know, from Iron Women, Haley's finish line podcasting is a gem. I know I felt a little bit like Coeur d'Alene, although I did not need like an hour in the fetal position, like after Coeur d'Alene, I will say 
I, it is like when you don't do a race on the, like the race isn't 103 degrees. Like, again, it was a like probably, you know, much cooler temperatures, even though I was still quite warm. Um, yeah, the finish line experience is a lot sweeter, but, um, I will also add Alyssa, like they let, they let Betty and Ernie come over by the finish line. And then I'm not exactly sure someone from the race snuck the finish line tape into Betty's backpack. So I got to keep it. I have it. I have it. I think I'm going to hang it up. (laughs) You should like put that in your bedroom so that every morning you wake up and have to walk through that from now until October, because I hear there's a very special race that you will be attending, I believe. Um, And yeah, I mean, every morning you're going to have to wake up and like break that banner and be like, this is, this is my life. I'm I'm changing my, my alarm to queen. I'm going to like, yeah, throw that banner. So every time I walk through a doorway, I have to cross the banner. No, (laughs) I'll get some like little fireworks that shoot off. Just remind myself. No, I did take the Kona slot. I will say I was like, I mean, the part of me again, I was like, oh gosh, I, I know how hard Kona is. And I know it's only like six weeks away. And um, but I, I should have added this earlier. One of the reasons Betty convinced me to like race Tremblant and go for it was she, because this year is the first year that they're going to have 50 women in Kona an equal number of pro women and pro men. And she did tell me, she's like, you want to be a part of that, don't you? And I was like, okay, yes, I do. You know, I do want to be a part of that because I, it is a historic moment. And so that was another reason why I was like, okay, I'm going to give this one more try. And, um, another reason why I said yes to the slot, because, I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous about the heat. Um, I'm going to figure things out here over the next week and, and, and figure out some, you know, training situations that hopefully can give me a better shot there. Um, because at the current time I'm like dying in 60 degree rain, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I'll, I've maybe this is something I can train for. And if nothing else, I'm going to definitely enjoy that experience of having those, those pro, you know, equal slots, because I think that that's something that I know you have worked really, really hard for. And that is why it's a wee thing because, uh, you know, you were out there five Q Twitter account back when we were all on Twitter and, uh, <laughs> and back in the you know, 24, back in like 2014. Yeah. Like when we were all yeah. babies, that time frame, Yeah. It's come a long way. And I am very happy that if I'm not there, that you will be, I feel like you're like my next of kin. So I'm, yes. I'm really glad you will get to experience it. And we'll have satellite iron women information coming to us from Kona. So we can hear all about it because it is, it's a very special year to get to go. So I'm glad you took the spot and I'm glad you'll be there racing. Yeah. Yeah. And huge congrats to, um, you know, the rest of the women on the pro podium, Jenanette did get second, Rachel Zelenskis, uh, you know, her first year pro, I think that's like her fourth Ironman and like, you know, not very many months and definitely showing that she gets each better with each one got third for first pro podium. So I was excited for, again, the university of Georgia swimming alumni were going pretty crazy. And so she'll, she got a kind of slot as well. And then Renee Kylie held strong for fourth Chloe lane, who, um, I think it was the first time I've met Chloe, you know, from Australia as well. I don't think we've had her on the show, but, um, so it was just, I mean, it was great. There were a lot of women that we've had you know, on the show previously, who I got to meet up with Amanda Wendorf, Angela Nath, you mentioned Amy Van Tassel, who will have that interview next week. Sorry, Amy. <laughs> um, sorry, I chatted too long, but uh, great energy. Jenny Fletcher. Yeah. Who we just had on with Leanda Cave. She was there. I mean, it was just like, I, I am really in awe of, you know, of a lot of the women in the pro fields, just because I've gotten to know them so well through stalking them online <laughs> and then chatting with them. <laughs> 
Oh, well, Haley, thanks for recapping that day. I hope our listeners um, enjoyed it as much as anything else. I think the, the I like asked a couple of people if they wanted to hear about the day and they were like, yeah, that's literally all we want to hear about this week. So um, I and think- Scotland and Scotland. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I feel like Iron Man when, you know, there will be other other adventures abroad to talk about, but an Ironman win is definitely like a step above. So I'm super excited that we got to hear about that and you made it back traveling. It wasn't a huge issue other than emptying your bike box on the conveyor belt, which is very weird. And I hope never happens to me. And yeah, I hope Haley this week is like full of cake and carrying. I hope you're like, just are waiting for that trophy to arrive. And I hope you're just walking through that banner all the time. I am. And Alyssa, I have to tell you, I had the best, um, like airport welcome. My dad brought cowboy into the airport. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like not technically allowed, but, um, he like, I snuck up on him. He like, didn't recognize me or something like that. I was wearing a mask, I guess. And like wearing non-exercise clothes, but um, <laughs> he was like, just like lounging there. And then I was like, hi. And then he went crazy and it was Aww. great. <laughs> so oh, that's awesome. we, uh, I have a lot of cowboy time in my near future. Um, so that's, uh, that's going to be my recovery, but yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to book this trip to <laughs> that's, that's, that's a problem for tomorrow, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's great to catch up with you, Alyssa. And, um, you recover well too. Hopefully your jet lag isn't too bad coming back from Scotland. That one's yeah. The good thing is, is when you don't really sleep during the trip, it like oh, yeah. helps negate the jet lag. Cause you can basically sleep at any time after that. So the, that's actually a major plus of that whole situation. Who needs sleep? I mean, <laughs> my gosh. Well, you get some sleep and get some food and, you know, and nice, like warm pajamas. I'm like, what's the opposite of wet trousers, (laughs) but thanks Alyssa. And I will be back to chat more with you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron women is a production of feisty media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.